Hello and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. So we got a bunch of questions this time around. We figured we'd pull those out to a Friday episode, which is what we're here to do. So we got a bunch of questions from, what, uh, I think three different listeners. Let's start with the ones from Super Flash Adam 1980 I don't remember what his real name is. <laughs> I'm really bad with secret identities. Me too. Unless I know them, in which case I'm even worse. We'll call him Super Flash Adam. <laughs> yeah. All right. First one trying to be more active in the community, so I thought I'd give this a whirl. A couple of questions for me. Sorry, James. Maybe some for you in the future. I'll let you weigh on these if you want to, though. That's cool. Question one. I know it's been a while since Godzilla vs. MMPR came out, but I was wondering if you remember how you liked it. You got two to three issues of it. Didn't hold my interest. And I gotta say, that's that's a fair assessment. It was It was okay, but not great. The concept was solid, but the execution was just a little lacking. And the art on it was, I want to say it was Freddie Williams that was doing it, but I could be wrong on that. It, You know how Bart Sears, his art has kind of this overinflated aspect of the muscles and stuff like that? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Take that, but don't limit it to the muscles. Oh, okay. It's almost right. an inflated cartoony aspect to it. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound good. It, it, it didn't work for me. It was not bad art, and it actually kind of fit the story to a degree. But it was not the same style I'm used to from the the monthly Power Ranger book and stuff like that. And it was one of those, yeah, it didn't totally hold my interest uh, throughout the whole thing. When did that come out? That's a great question. I want to say sometime last year. Last year. Okay. All right. Right now, I don't think we have any Godzilla books out right now. I want to say there's one forthcoming soon. Didn't I just see a cover gimmick they were trying to do of, hey, yeah, pay so much and, and Godzilla will stomp your store? Or ah. it'll stop this store and we'll put your logo on it. Wow, you can see how much I paid attention to that. <laughs> That's the exact promo they did for one of the Godzilla books five, uh, seven years ago, whenever it was. All right, there you go. It's coming. It's coming yeah, soon. I think. I could be wrong. Maybe I just daydreamed it and I was thinking of the old one. I don't know. I can't remember anything these days. I used to love Godzilla when I was a kid. I never really got into it. Really? I like Godzilla and I liked Ultraman. Those were the two things I used to love. Ultraman <laughs> I watched a little of, but... Never really got into the Godzilla stuff, and I've tried getting back into the Ultraman stuff since I got into the the Super Sentai stuff. It's just, it's a different, it's a similar genre, it's a different thing, though. Yeah, I know it's completely different. I've only watched Ultraman, so yeah, I, I, when I try to watch the other, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or anything, I'm like, yeah, this is not the same stuff. <laughs> At some point, I gotta try getting you onto some of the Sentai stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I can think of a season or two that might be good good to go with. I think uh, Gokaiger was a lot of fun, but also I think Lupin vs. Pat Ranger, which is kind of a cops versus robbers, and there's two competing teams of, of Super Sentai. That one's fun too. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I might take you up on that. I might do it. So we'll, we'll have to see what we can do on that. All right. Question number two. Tried reading the manga I recommended Love After World Domination yet? I've watched six episodes of the anime already. It's pretty good. It's basically a rom-com with a coating of Super Sentai paint. And I haven't gotten the, the manga. I did check out the first episode of the anime, uh-huh. and I got to agree that description of a rom-com with the Super Sentai trappings is is definitely on the money. 
I think it was a little more on the rom-com and a little less on the subtle. It certainly had the Super Sentai stuff down pat. And I probably would have been just as happy if they'd just done straight Super Sentai as, as an anime. First episode was interesting. It just felt it was a little over the top on the rom-com stuff. Not sure if I'll continue with it or not, but certainly it was was definitely uh, interesting. And part of it is I just, I haven't watched outside of the Super Sentai that much anime or other Japanese material to really get a feel for their story sensibilities and such. Yeah. You want, you want to hear something weird about me? There's all kinds of weird stuff about me. <laughs> now, I, I like reading manga, but it's hard for me to watch anime. And I, I, I'll watch anime every now and then, like, if it's a good one, like, I, we, my wife and I, we wa- she likes to watch the anime. She will not read. But we watched Attack on Titan together, but I prefer reading it than watching it. And I don't know where the disconnect is. I don't know why I can read it, but I don't like watching it. For me, it's easier to watch the stuff than read it. And part of that is the right-to-left reading order just runs counter to, to my reading habits, because I'm so used to the other way. Oh, it really does, yeah. <laughs> and I've watched a few things dubbed, but I prefer subbed, because even though I don't really understand the words, I get the intonation, I get the intent of the delivery. Yeah, my, my wife and I, we like dubbed. I, I, I don't like the subbed. Yeah, dubbed is definitely the way to go. Uh, again, for me, the subbed... Or I mean, subbed, subbed. Subbed yeah. is the way to go. I, I, I mix that up. <laughs> I've had a few things I've watched dubbed too, and if you've got good voice stuff, uh, Tiger versus uh, Tiger and Bunny is one they did really well on. Yeah, but when you listen to it in Japanese, you can hear the inflection of the voice a lot better, or mm-hmm. the, the the tone, and it, it just has more weight to it. it. Really, I think if you're gonna do for for an animated thing, dubbed is viable. For a live action, not so much. The the lips not hitting the right sync is distracting. But if you're going to do it dubbed, you've got to have really good voice talent. And there is some really great stuff, uh, great talent out there, both on the directing and the, the voices themselves. Again, Tiger, vers- uh, Tiger and Bunny, I keep wanting to put a versus there, but there's not. It's great voice talent on the American side or the English side. And if you didn't know it was not originally English, stylistically, yes, it's definitely anime art-wise. But yeah, Very cool. you wouldn't necessarily pick up on that. Okay, next question from Brawlinator. He'd like to hear us discuss our earliest comic book memories and what got us into the hobby. He knows it's been discussed in the past, but every episode is someone's first, which hopefully is true. Do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, sure. I'll go. I remember a couple things. I'll I'll tell you about three or four distinct things. I remember when I was very young, I was probably in second grade. I lived next door to a neighbor in second Mm -hmm. grade. And I used to go over to his house and we went to his garage one time and his older brother had. Those really massive, you remember the Superman and Wonder Woman comics that were like magazine size from the 70s? I, I didn't know what those were. I just thought comic books were that big. But they were kind of <laughs> like rat chewed and you know destroyed. They were just not in good shape. But we were flipping through them until he came in and yelled at us and we left. And that was my first experience with a comic. I thought, that, wow, that's really neat. After that, my parents drove around. They stopped at a gas station. I remember buying some comics. One was a Batman. The other two, I don't remember, but my dad got me three comics. They were, you know, change at the time. And I thought they were just wonderful. And from in there, I found an advertisement for Mile High Comics. Uh. And that's where I got my mom to mail in like a $20 check for me. And they sent me a box of 100 comics. Nice. I used to carry that box with me everywhere. My mom took me to a doctor's appointment to have this box. And I'd be sitting there and I'd pull out comics and read them. And I probably read those comics a hundred times, you know, 
over and over and over and over again. I just carried them with me everywhere. But there was no new comics by me until I found a convenience store that sold Marvel comics. That's all they sold. I could ride my bike mm-hmm. there. But it was like a five-mile ride, and then I could buy Marvel comics and shove them down the front of my pants and ride home. So they're all destroyed. And then it wasn't until I was probably around 16, 17, that we found a town an hour away where I might have been 15, where there was comics. And, but that was an hour drive to get to it. Wow. Because uh, we lived out in the middle of nowhere and so out in the country. So it, it was hard for me to get comics, but I always liked them and I always enjoyed them. And other than those Marvel comics I got at the gas station, if I want to go to a comic store, it's an hour drive. <laughs> yeah, I was in the suburbs and stuff, so comics were a bit more accessible to me than it sounds like they were to you. I've been reading comics literally for longer than I can remember. Wow. I really don't remember a time when I didn't have some comics. As I understand it, I think I got kind of my first... I mean, I'd gotten a couple of comics here and there, you know, the the Laugh Olympics uh, stuff or, you know, Casper, Richie Rich or something like that. But what I would really consider kind of the, the start of my what became my collection, I believe, was from a, a family friend when I was in the hospital recovering from some surgery and stuff. Yeah. And I say I believe and so I've been told or whatever because I have zero recollection of this firsthand. I had just had some some major surgery done and was no doubt drugged to the gills. But I read the stuff, enjoyed it. Eventually, you know, from there, I discovered the spinner rack. They happened to have one of those at the grocery store that mom would drag us along when it was time to get groceries. So I just, hey, can I go check out the comics? She's like, yeah, yeah, just, you know, be ready when we're ready to leave. And I'd just go over there and be reading them literally off the spinner rack. And that's that's where I first encountered All-Star Squadron, New Teen Titans, Superboy and the Legion, all kinds of stuff. I think they mainly had DC books. They might have had Marvel. I don't remember. But, you know, from there, I discovered the local comic book store and then the local comic book convention, which was the San Diego Comic Book Convention, and a few other stores, not just the one local that I could get to on the bus pretty easily, but there was one near downtown San Diego, Comic Kingdom, that just was comparatively huge and had just some great stuff. Very cool. Yeah. And then from there, it kind of snowballed to the, you know, 70,000 comics later and such, it, it all just blurs together at this point. Yeah. You remember that store I told you about that I went to that was an hour away? Mm-hmm. It became Abacus. It was named Abacus Coins and Comics. And all they didn't even have new issues. It was just probably like, you know, 400 long boxes of just back issues. That's all he had. Mm-hmm. He even had an old Playboy magazine, stuff that I shouldn't have been going through when I was, <laughs> when I was that age. <laughs> but he didn't care. We went through everything. That stuff, when he went out of business, I think the, the guy passed away. It got purchased by the now Coliseum of Comics in Lakeland, Florida. Ah, okay. So now it's part of the Coliseum of Comics branch, but it, all those back issues went over there. And he had some gems over there. Just really cool stuff. I'll never forget, I saw a Hulk, 181. And I remember that was the first you know, Wolverine, of course. And they had it you know, just up there at the front desk with like, a big metal paper clip on it, or clip holding it up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that's going to damage the cover. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like reading comics, this young guy, his son, and he's eating like a meatball sandwich and the sausage dripping all over while he's eating oh. all over the c- comics. I'm just like, no respect. No respect. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. I was just like, oh my gosh. It was, it was just a train wreck. But anyways, good memories. <laughs> man, I would love to be able to go back to... Comic Kingdom off University Avenue in San Diego, you know, early 80s kind of a time frame or whatever with, with 
with the spending money I have now, you know, just because they had just a, a great selection of stuff. I think that's where I got a lot of, I, I had gotten, I've got a big collection of the digests, best of DC, blue ribbon digest, uh, adventure comics later became a digest for a while. And these things were, I don't know, five by seven, maybe. Yeah. And I had a jacket or whatever that I'd wear to school or whatever, and I could fit these in. So I was always had reading material on me and such. I, definitely avid reader and such. But man, being able to, to shop at that store with the selection they would have had back then at those prices, man, that'd be nice. Oh, yeah. And, and, and with the knowledge of knowing which books to get, holy mackerel. <laughs> Not even in terms yeah. of, of that, but knowing that I could spend as much time as I wanted, not mom sitting in the car, you know, looking at the watch, wondering when I'm done yet. Exactly. I mean, it's so cool. I, I remember thinking New Mutants, what a crummy book this was. And you know, come to find out Deadpool, you know, becomes, oh, this is like a must-have book. Uh, only had to wait nearly 100 issues to get there. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> but it just, just kind of funny how that all plays out. Actually, I enjoyed New Mutants. That was not one I got on early, but probably, well, actually... Within the first 20 issues, I forget when. Yeah, I like the old mutants. <laughs> <laughs> geriatric mutants. Yeah, the geriatrics. All right, from Dr. Mo. Yeah. His first question, how did you feel about Superman number one? Do you believe that utilizing Superman to kick off the dawn of DC initiative was the right move? I don't know. <laughs> in my opinion, oh, by the way, I do know in my current stack, I got that John Kent number one sitting there. I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. But everything went, it was the action, it was Superman, it was this John Kent book, kicked it all off. And I understand the philosophy behind it because Superman was the first superhero, you know, and we're going to restart it. Boom. You use the first superhero that ever was to kick off the dawn of the DCU. But part of me wonders if a different character might have worked better or a different team of characters. Like if, if they're really going to this replacing the Justice League with the new the Teen Titans. Titans. Yeah, the Titans. Maybe that should have been the book that kicked it off. Or maybe a Batman-type thing kick it off. Even though I think Batman's kind of get pushed away a little bit. I think the Titans might have been a better pick than Superman, but I don't know. Yeah, overall, I have mixed feelings on the whole Dawn of DC initiative. Okay. I mean, on the one hand, it is certainly needed. There is no question about that. I agree. And the approach of, of kind of, quote-unquote, fixing one character at a time that's exactly what I suggested they do a number of times on the podcast in past years. Yeah. Just just start somewhere, shore that up, get that rolling, move on to the next, rinse, repeat, which is exactly what they're doing this year with, with DC. Which is nice, yeah. There are aspects of Action Comics and Superman that I'm, I'm really liking. There are also a couple of questionable choices. I mean, this many members of the Super Family, there's like 10 or something, maybe? It's a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> It dilutes the Superman brand, and this is kind of the sort of thing that exactly led to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. I purposely didn't pick up action comics because I saw what it was and what they were doing, and I'm just like, I'm okay with reading Superman. I'm okay with reading John Kent. I don't want to read about you know, the 22 variants. I think if they had kept the lead story, ditched the two backups, the John Kent backup and the Power Girl one, I'll get to Power Girl in a second, expanded the lead to the full count, page count of the issue and spent X pages on, obviously, Superman and the, the lead stuff, but also a smaller number of pages on maybe the, the new Superman of China or one of the Superboys or the Super Twins. But not as a separate feature, but kind of like how they did in the, the 52 weekly series, there's one feature, it's just one plot line 
cuts to these characters and, and their stuff, and it weaves in and out of the main Superman plot over time. Yeah, yeah. That probably would have been a much better approach. Now, this whole stuff with, with Power Girl, it makes zero sense. And I'm not even talking just the power changeup they did for her, which is ludicrous. But she is literally the pre-crisis Earth-2 Power Girl, who is the Supergirl of that universe. And they recently paired her up with Supergirl in Action Comics 1052, which underscored this insanity, because they, they clearly both exist. They're, they're talking to each other and stuff. And Supergirl is acknowledging Power Girl as her counterpart from, from Earth-2. But wait a sec. Power Girl is somehow the sole survivor of Earth-2, and everybody remembers that she is. Yet, the Jay Garrick Flash and, and Mr. Terrific, both of which we're seeing over in the Flash book, they are seemingly natives of this Earth, yet they were her teammates in the other Earth. Are they counterparts of it? Are they not? And this whole thing, it's highlighting something that is starting to unravel, in my mind, part of the DC. I can't even say continuity at this point. Yeah. And then the other thing with the dawn of DC that... that isn't working for me is the whole Lazarus planet just reeked of the new blood bloodlines stuff they did years ago of let's have something happen. The metagene exists, poof, people have powers and they've got to deal with it. This time we're having a volcano explode, cover the world with something Lazarus stuff and powers change. People have powers. They've got to deal with it. Gosh, that's a great origin that you could just blanket on a whole bunch of characters. <laughs> yeah. And we're getting a couple of titles out of this. Vigil, Spirit World, City Boy. Brilliant title there. Yeah, City Boy. That looked horrible. None of those new titles really hold any interest for me at the moment. Vigil has potential, but again, the few pages they spent in Lazarus Planet to, to kick that off didn't. Yeah. So do they need something like the Dawn of DC? Absolutely. Would I have called it the Dawn of DC? No, certainly not. I would have done a same initiative but not publicized it and just say hey we're 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 retooling a few things where we've got a good jumping on point here and next time we're going to have a good jumping on point there and then have people look back a year later saying wow how did dc really turn things around so well yeah by having these great jumping on points boom 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 yeah but now by making it seem like there's this overarching initiative to rebuild the entire universe it underscores it's broken yep they're trying to fix it and let's face it, any time you try to do sweeping changes on a number of titles, some are going to work, some are not. And that's exactly what's happening. And it's going to underscore the some are not. Yep, 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 yep. So I, I wish them well. I am interested in some of what they're doing, but some of what they're doing also runs so counter to what they've just done. Let's build Billy Batson back up as Shazam. Just told us the new champion of Shazam was, was Mary. <laughs> And like, so, just last week. And now let's retool it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, so I I think using Superman to kick it off was one of the most logical choices, again. Because of the first character, yeah. The first, first character. Superhero. Yeah. The other one that would have made sense would have been the Flash. Yeah, that makes sense, because the Flash has been the center point of so many changes. With the uh, Flashpoint, and what should we call it? What is it? The Crisis? The first Crisis on crisis Infinite Earths? Crisis on Infinite Earths, yeah. Yeah. Well, really, I was thinking just the Silver Age. Yeah, the Silver Age, too, yeah. Now, if they really wanted to, to be bold, they would have picked a B or C list character, started with that one, and gotten some just great talent on it and make that an A-list character. Yeah. You know, come to think of it, I'm looking at my, my Connect right now, my DC Connect for March, mm -hmm. and seeing that picture of the Titans, Dawn of the DC Titans. 
if they would have done that, that probably would have upset a lot of people because they would have been like, they're tossing out all the old characters. And that's not what they're doing. Well, and I love the Titans. I think the Titans back in the day were one of the premier superhero groups of the DC universe. Yeah. But they got that way because they earned it, not because editorial thought they should replace the Justice League. Yeah, which is what's happening now. <laughs> and having, at this point, the old Teen Titans as the top tier team is a mistake. Yeah. First off, they're keeping the new Teen Titan roster verbatim. Mm -hmm. That's a mistake. Ditch one of the characters, bring in somebody new. Or just bring in somebody new. But bring in somebody new who can hold their own with that group. And that's why having the entire rest of the group together makes the other one an odd person out. So break up the team a little. You know, pull Titans from different eras if you want to. And that's that's great. There's a lot to be said for that. But to pull in the, the classic Wolfman Perez Titans roster, Yet it's not their Raven, it's not their Cyborg. You could argue if it's their Starfire, it seems to have reverted to that. It sets up a lot kind of working against them, and I I, I think that's they're going to have a challenge with that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, Tom Taylor, great writer. Nicola Scott on the art, great, great artist. artist. But looking at the latest Nightwing issue we talked about, where the Titans were front and center there, <laughs> did not give me a whole lot of hope. <laughs> that's true. Uh. I, I wish I could be more positive on this, but I can't. I understand. Okay. The next one's funny. <laughs> next question. What happens to your previews, physical catalogs, after items from that issue ship? If you keep the catalog, what are your long-term plans for the issues? Note, this is an issue I am currently grappling with. This is from Dr. Mo again. So Dr. Mo has all of his old previews, which is cool. Uh, he has at least some of them. I don't know if he has all of them. I... I, I I, I phrase it that way because I keep them. I have oh, them. Oh, cool. I have all of them. Wow. Now, I don't mean I have necessarily from one to whatever number they're at on previews, because at one point I was shopping at a store that dealt with Capital City, so I was getting advanced comics versus diamond previews. But I have those advanced comics, too. I have these going back decades. Holy mackerel. And when I say they stack up, they stack up. Wow. And at one point, when I was crunching the numbers, I was thinking, you know, it'd be interesting at some point to do a deep dive in the catalog to see, you know, is there any relationship between, you know, placement of the, the comic in the book? Like, is it a right page or left page, top of the page, first column, third column, you know, front of the book, back of the book? Or did it have an ad? Did it not have an ad? Or things like that to see if they had any measurable impact on sales. I'm no longer crunching the numbers, so the odds of me doing that diminishes quite a bit. <laughs> But I don't think I'm just going to suddenly go dump these things. You want to hear what happened this to mine? You probably just chuck them. Unceremoniously, they go in my recycle bin. <laughs> they got to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the month, right when I get my new set, I toss them into my recycle bin along with some old newspapers <laughs> and some cardboard boxes. <laughs> I do not judge. I'm sorry oh. for all of you out there that I've let down. <laughs> They're not collectibles, generally speaking. No, they're cool when I see some old ones, but I'm like, I've been tossing them for so long. I'm like, uh, I'm not going to start collecting them now. So it's been too many years of tossing them in the recycle bin. I am not saying I am collecting them. I am accumulating them. You're accumulating them. Yes. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of stuff. They're, they're hefty, too. They're big. They are. They fill up magazine boxes surprisingly quickly and heavily. Good Lord. I'm not <laughs> saying do as I do. How many of those boxes do you think you have just a previews catalogs, the big one? Oh, geez. If you had to guess. Obviously, clearly over a dozen. I'm just trying to think of the ones that I know where are. I've got another closet that I've got a bunch in. I, 
I, I honestly couldn't even begin to guess. Wow. Enough that I could probably fill up a modest-sized closet in a standard bedroom kind of a thing easily. Wow. Impressive. And that's one per month. <laughs> well, and I've used been to be doing this for many, many years. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I applaud you, sir. At some point, I'd love to have, and granted, they need to be pretty hefty bookcases, but bookcases just to put them all up in. Wow. Because there have been a few times I've actually gone back. It's like, okay, how did they solicit this? And you have it. I've got it. Now, cool. I'm a little lazy to go dig to the bottom of a stack of these, these magazine boxes, because, again, these things are heavy. Now I feel bad about chucking mine in the recycle bin. I don't. <laughs> they're catalogs. They're not collectibles. Yeah, very true. So, and then I think the big question Dr. Mo had, and yeah, it's not because it's just one, one but it, it, it's the topic in and of itself, multiple topics. Yes. Any initial thoughts about the additional DC and Marvel crossover events for the summer 2023 announced at Comics Pro? And he provided links and descriptions to all of them. And these are, you know, lowercase events and such. Yeah. And thank uh, you for the links, honestly, because I wouldn't have remembered them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I First off, I need to be more selective on which of these I get and how much of them I get than I historically have been. And I am very appreciative he posted the link because the first of them I knew about, the second I'd heard about, the third I may have read an article on, and some of the others, nah, I'm not following the stuff this closely these days. Yeah, that's that's where I am. The first one up was that he posted to was Night Night Terror, or Night's Terror, no, Night Terrors. Night Terrors with a K. Yeah. In the night, not the terrors. I think Night Terrors with a K on the terrors would have been more interesting, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. <laughs> what do you think of this? I got horrible feelings of Nightmares with uh, Tom King, but I know it's not the same thing. It's different. It's bringing the horror to DC. What do you think I think of this? I'm not interested in this. This is yeah. not what I want. This is yeah. not for me. Not only is it not for me, I think it's really not for me. <laughs> it's true. It's like it, it, their worst terror. So everyone's deepest, darkest terror definitely doesn't sound like something you would enjoy. I don't know how much of the publishing line it's going to encroach on, but I'm hoping it's kind of, I don't say off to the side, but something where if if it invades ongoing titles, it may be enough. That would be enough to push me off Detective and Batman. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the art when you scroll down, it looks like everyone's afraid of a gigantic demon. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I'll be into this. I don't know what it'll tie into. I'll read the books that I'm getting. I might buy a beginning issue and an end issue, but I'm not excited for this one. I think it's a risky thing to do a story in which the heroes face their biggest fears. Yeah, I would agree. Because <laughs> there are some writers who can actually deliver on that. There are others who think they can. Yeah, and the ones who think they can, yeah, that sometimes really cannot. And it's like, do you not understand the character? They're not afraid of that, or they've dealt with that, or I've seen this a thousand times. Give me something new that, that really resonates with the character and with me in a way that, oh yeah, I should have seen this and I didn't, or it's something new and inventive, not just the, well, yeah, of course you're going to go that way. Yeah, yeah. It looks like this one could be a bad one. I, I don't have good feelings about this one. Yeah, that one I'm planning on if it says night terrors to probably not get it but we'll see how that happens now now the second one he linked to was called agatha harkness conjures up a contest of chaos so it's a scarlet witch annuals i don't know 
I mean, I'll tell you what did not excite me about this, the creative teams, because it looked like Stephanie Phillips, which is fine. She's fine. She's going to be doing the first thing. But the next one was Steve Orlando and Sarah Pacelli. Sarah Pacelli's fine, but Steve Orlando, I'm like, oh, man. That's the the team on Scarlet Witch. So, and it's, it's oh. actually been a good title. So it's working. Okay. Are you excited for this one? Because I didn't know if the Scarlet Witch stuff would somehow lead up towards this, the miniseries. I don't know. One, I'm not sure if it's a miniseries or not. I know it's got an annual that's going to kick this off. It seems like it's going to be, you know, what's going on with magic in the Marvel Universe and all that kind of a stuff. Generally speaking, when it gets to the supernatural and stuff, that's just not my thing. Yeah, not mine either. It's typically a turnoff. And it's so I'm not really interested in this based on what little I know of it now. It's at least contained to the annuals, which makes it easy to skip. Yeah. But I probably, depending what it ties into, would have gotten the annuals otherwise. Yeah. No, very true. Once you get me off the annuals, is that much to get me off the book? Yeah. Justice League Dark or Strange Academy, when you get to that really magic-heavy stuff, it, it just doesn't work for me. So this is one that I'm like, once again, not excited for at the moment. Yeah. Well, and I think... That's part of why I am a more jaded reader today than I was a few years ago. Because when I was in the thick of the universe, is getting everything, I knew what was going on. I was I was immersed in it. And as I pulled back, I never got Strange Academy. I dropped Justice League Dark. Yep. Now there are parts of the universe I'm I'm not aware of. I'm not immersed in. So I am less deep in that universe, less invested in that universe. And that's what leads to me getting fewer titles, and it's 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 an escalating situation in either direction. No, it's very true because, I, like, I didn't read Blade's Vampire Daughter. I can't remember what her name was. Bladeette, I don't know. <laughs> but if she becomes a central character, I'm not going to know who she is. I'm not going to care. Even though the book may be great, I'm on that path too because there's certain things I'm not getting, and then it doesn't excite you, and it just kind of perpetuates the cutting. Well. DC with Lazarus Planet. I read the the one shot that gave me the intro to Vigil, Spirit World, and wherever they did City Boy. Yeah. And none of them made me think, wow, I should get that. Vigil has potential, but its intro was so vague and uninformative that it's, I see what the characters look like. Yeah, that, and that doesn't excite you. <laughs> Not enough to get it off the bat, but I'll at least look at that solicit. Yeah. I, I've seen enough of Spirit World and City Boy to cross those off the list already. You're like, no thanks. <laughs> so if you're going to do some world building, build a world I want to explore. Just that name City Boy just sounds horrible. It just sounds, something's wrong with that name. <laughs> if he was a member of the Legion of Superheroes, maybe? Even yeah. that would feel a bit odd? Just, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, but what do you think about the next one? Ultimate Invasion, that one, I mean, it, it's Hickman and Brian Hitch. Jonathan Hickman on the writing, Brian Hitch on the art. That's a solid creative team. Kind of going back to the Ultimate Universe, which was gone, but some time stuff maybe. This one excited me. This one I'm like, oh, that sounds good. This one I'm likely to pick up, both me on the too. creative team and I read, I think, all of the Ultimate stuff. Yep. Maybe not all of it, but probably all of it. I. I'm trying to think if there was any of the stuff at the end that would have been off the beaten path for me and just not to my liking, but I don't think so. I think I read all of I, – I know I read the overwhelming majority, at least 80, 90, 95, 99%. I can't swear that I've read all of the Ultimate Universe, and I'm not certainly suggesting that all of it is worth reading either, just to be clear. But this one, again, some of the stuff they're playing with, 
sounds interesting, and this one I'm excited about, or interested in at the very least. Yeah, and I would say this one sounds like it could be a real event, like something that branches into more books than just the title itself. And this is the first one that when I saw it announced, I saw the creative team and I saw this, I was like, all right, I'm on board. Yep, let's do this. I'm on board. Whether it goes big or not, it reminds me of all the incursions and stuff they were doing on Avengers for a while, and how none of that panned out either. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Very true. But again, Hickman is a solid writer. Hitch is a brilliant artist. It'll be a solid read, whether it builds into anything bigger or not. I don't care. Yeah, at least the main story should be really good. Yeah. Now, he also sent a link to a bunch of weird little events or title events. I don't, I don't even know if you call it an event. Stories. Other arcs and stuff going out there. Yeah, and we can just breeze through these because I mean, Star Wars, the Hidden Empire event continues in 2023. I'm not getting any of the Star Wars stuff. Haven't been for years. Didn't know there was an event going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm out. The DC Lazarus Planet promises huge changes. You read that and you didn't care for it and I skipped it. Yeah, I got all of the Lazarus Planet stuff that's been solicited so far, which was clearly very optimistic of me, but I'm trying to meet DC halfway. But if that's the best of what they got or where they want to go, that's not promising. Yeah. Now, Valiant's Book of the Shadows crossover, I think we're both out. It concludes in 2023. I think we're both out at Valiant, and Valiant's printing one book a month right now. I've generally been out of Valiant for years. Yeah. And and part of it, before they just went down to a book a month, which is impossible. Well, let me rephrase it. I think you could do a shared universe title with a book a month, but that book would need to be 64 or preferably 80 pages and be all-encompassing of the universe in a way that, that kept people interested for all of that. Not just like the one little 20-page Exoman award that they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a slow death. Well, what drew me out of Valiant was when they would do a interesting run on Archer and Armstrong. Yep. And drop that, and maybe we'll get back to them or their brother, the Eternal Warrior, or their other brother, Time Walker, in a few years. But here's Quantum and Woody now. Yeah, or let's drop that and we'll finally get back to Harbinger that we dropped you know, two years prior and pick it up where it left off. And you're like, I don't know what happened two years ago. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was too was, slow. It was frustrating. Yeah. Unfortunate. Now, the next one, the Superman family teams up for a bold new direction. And we kind of spoke of that earlier. The only one that I would say I'm not getting is the action. I'm not getting the anthology action, but I am picking up Superman, John Kent, and I plan on picking up the, is it Connor Kent one? He's got a Connor Kent Superboy Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'm going to be picking that up too. So those will be the three that I'm getting for sure. I really don't know that you need to have a Superman book, a John Kent who had been Superman, yeah, but is now, I guess, demoted to de facto Superboy, and an actual Superboy Man of Tomorrow. That's <laughs> not confusing. <laughs> I think the, the marketing of all of this is muddled at best. Yeah. <laughs> I, I almost want to see maybe not Monel come back. But maybe one of his siblings, 2L or Wet L or Thur L or Fry L, I don't know. Oh, God. Actually, I would do, instead of a Mon L, I would do a Laurel Gan, which I believe in one of the Legion continuities was his cousin or sister or some such. But get another Kryptonian level character on Earth, because why not? <laughs> we need more. <laughs> I actually, I think the twins have potential to tell some good stories. They're the ones that actually came out of the War World arc that I did not like, but those were good characters. And I do think you might like the young John Kent storyline that's going on in action. Okay. But again, I've ranted 
Six Ways to Sunday, but I reserve the right to do it again on Power Girl, who just not only is her existence problematic, the power set they gave her is so 180 degrees counter to her previously established personality. And of course, they solve that by just chucking her previously established personality. But yeah. I just think there's too many Kryptonians for Superman, who was supposed to be the only one that survived this planet. There sure are a heck of a lot of them. You know what I would have done in place of Power Girl? What's that? I would have ditched her and I would have brought back the Kristen Wells Superwoman. Ah. Somebody who presents almost as Kryptonian, but is just somebody from the future. Yeah, I, I that would be cool. Get the, Got a great costume that would fit in with the rest, avoids all the problems with, with Power Girl and such, and be fun. That would be fun. But they didn't go that way. And they can't go back. Well, they'll relaunch it the next time. Yeah, they can go back, and they will go back. It's just weird. <laughs> now, the next one up is Captain America crosses over for Marvel's Cold War event. Are you getting the Cold War event? Well, yeah, because I'm getting the two titles, and it's just a one-shot at that point. Yep. And it's Bucky, so I'm interested. But I'll be honest, after that, I don't know if that Falcon title is going to stay on my list. Yeah, I dumped the Falcon title because I wasn't liking it, and I picked it up for this event. And depending on how this goes, who knows? I could be reading the Falcon book, or I could just be getting one. We don't know what's going to come out on the other side, but I did pick it up just so I can get the full story. I've been reading Captain America for ages, and it's one of the longer runs over at Marvel I've got. Yeah. I would say that uh, this event I'm not super excited for. I'm just, I'm going to pick it up. That's where I am. It's playing out better than I was initially afraid it would when it's, when the pitch was the shield is is their symbol, not yours. Yeah. You know, I don't know about that, but it, and I'm not saying I love what they've, they've retconned, but it's an entertaining story that's reasonably well told. So I'll give them credit for that. I agree with you there. So number five on the list is the Sins of Sinister event will reshape the Marvel Universe. Did it reshape it? Not yet. Okay, it's not over yet, so I don't know if it's been reshaped, but I like the opening. That's all I read. (laughs) I think it would be fun to revisit Powers of X in light of Sins of Sinister, because I do think stuff that was set up there is playing out here. Whether it connects back to it or not directly, I don't know, but it certainly has a built-in reset button yeah, because exactly. it's taking place in the future. They got to get back to the present day somehow. Based on how this plays out from your opinion, I'm going to be picking this up in trade because that opening was very good. Yeah. Now, Dawn of the DC will focus on characters and a year-long story. We already know that's happening. I would say the thing that I'm most looking forward to would be the Green Lantern stuff. I hope it's good. I'm not overly optimistic about the Green Lantern stuff, but I think where they left it off and the fact they've left it off for so long, like better part of a year. Yeah, it's coming. Is problematic. Yep. I'm hoping it's good. That was one of the franchises that was strong enough to survive the new 52 reboot pretty much untouched. Yeah. And then it just disappeared. It's gone. And here we are 12 years later and it's like, yeah, I guess we got to salvage this. Unfortunate. Again, I am not overly impressed with DC editorial. Because they're picking the creative teams, and they're ultimately responsible for the quality of the books that comes out, and the fact they've gotten to the point where they need to reboot their line, and not reboot, uh, let me rephrase that. They're not rebooting it, but they need to retool every title in their lineup, essentially. That's, not promising. Yeah. That, that's, that's bad on such a deep level. And yeah. it's not the first time or the last time DC's gotten themselves into this boat. Unfortunate. Yeah. But I, I would say that's the one I'm... I'm- I'm not saying it's going to be good, but I'm looking forward. I'm hoping for a good Green Lantern book. I'm just got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'll probably get more of them than I should. I've already pre-ordered the Doom Patrol one, but we'll see how that goes for me. 
yeah, I don't know how many of these I'm going to get, but I'll, I'm probably going to be a little optimistic on these more so than I probably should be. Yeah. Now, how about number three? Batman will presumably lead a mysterious night event. Well, we know about that. That's the... Uh, That's night terrors. Night terrors. Okay, so yeah. That's coming. I would say you're not you're not excited for this, and I'm not looking forward to it either. <laughs> At this point, that's something I will avoid. Yeah, I figured. Now, the next one is that for sure I will avoid this like the plague. And that is? Summer of Symbiotes, Stars oh. of Venom, Carnage, and the Red Goblin. I did not get the Red Goblin. I, I avoid the symbiote books. I hate those things. Uh, I want them gone. I want less. <laughs> I don't hate them, but they certainly are overexposed in terms of the number of titles and such. They're not for me. I stopped getting Venom a while back, and with that getting cut, so went all of the Carnage and related books. Yeah. I would say when they first came out with Venom as a new character, that was interesting. That was new, and I liked it. Carnage is okay. We took a a very dark turn on this thing. Okay, cool. We're going that way. Beyond that, I'm out. I, I, I can't stand it anymore. What made Venom interesting initially was he was a overpowered, almost anti Spider Man. Yep, exactly. So then to take him and say, well, we're going to turn him into an anti-hero of sorts, and now we're going to create, and I'm getting the timeline of this all muddled, of course, but carnage of let's take a, a, a Venom and go really evil. Yeah. And it's like, and then we've got the, the offshoots or the, the, the children of, and some of those last, some of them don't. I don't need to keep track of this. No, they muddled the character so much that it took what was special and made it very not special. And... It's almost something I avoid. I, I don't want to read anymore. I'm I'm done with it. I'm, until they get rid of all of the various symbiotes, it's almost like the Spider-Verse. I was going to say, I'm waiting for the edge of the uh, the Venom-Verse. Yeah, the edge of the Venom-Verse. We need it to be gone. <laughs> Have them fight off the various Gwens or something. Yeah, which brings us to the number one on this list. This was Fall of X could tease the end of the X-Men's Krakoan Age because there is that thing where they're going to have Inferno. And that was... I think Hickman was going to be doing it, or it could be Karen Gillan. I don't know. We just kind of got an Inferno redux or whatever with the Spider-Man stuff that we just exactly. did. Exactly. Yep. So we, we don't need to go back to Inferno again. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, are, if they do get rid of the Krakoan stuff and there's some type of fall of X, which they have been setting up all along with the divisions and on the council and everything like that, are you excited for this event? I'll certainly read it. I think it's it's going to be a big deal, and seeing how the Krakoan era ends would be interesting. I agree. And I've dropped a couple of the titles, so it didn't keep me throughout the whole thing. I agree. But the art style of Marauders was just, it turned me off, which is a shame. I love Kitty Pride and would like to keep reading that, but can't get through the art to the story. I'm curious what the X-Men status quo would be post-Krakoa, because it seemed like such a seismic shift to undo it seems challenging. It would be... To me, it'd be almost anticlimactic because there was so much energy and effort put into that, and I enjoyed it for what it was. They could get rid of the resurrection protocols without throwing Krakoa out the door and almost give themselves a bearing for the repercussions in the future and stuff like that. I would rather see them do that than throw out the baby with the bathwater. So, But I'll tell you what, the, the two events that I would say I'm the most looking forward to would be the Fall of X type thing, that Inferno, and the, the Hickman one. Inv- ultimate Invasion. And ultimate Invasion. Those are pretty the two. And, and the others, I'm just kind of like so-so, and I, I am looking forward to a good Green Lantern book. Will I get it? I don't know. Yeah, I would agree with that. Fall of X, certainly if it pays off, the whole Krakoan era pays off, not ends, to be clear. Interested in that. Again, Hickman and Hitch on 
pretty much anything. And Ultimate Invasion, sure, that sounds great. I'll definitely get that. But some of this other stuff, it's just, it's either areas I'm not interested in, such as the Valiant, the Venom, or the Star Wars stuff. Stuff I'm getting anyways, like the Superman family, or the Captain America stuff, or yep. most of Sins of Sinister. Well, not most. I wouldn't have gotten the three miniseries if it wasn't for Sins of Sinister, but it was interesting enough that I did. Or the pitch was interesting enough, I should say. But I need to be more selective on, on what I'm getting moving forward, because I'm not getting the enjoyment and satisfaction out of some of the reads of what I'm getting that I, I feel I should be. No, I, I, I know exactly what you mean by that, and it, this is, sounds funny. <laughs> I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm I'm happy I skipped the two events I did. I, I Just for some reason in my gut, I'm like, it's January, or, you know, February, and they're having these big, you know, storyline arcs. I had a feeling that Lazarus and the mutant story, I can't even remember the name of it. Sins of Sinister. Sins of Sinister would be just okay. Be forgettable now, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, just okay, forgettable. It, it, like something not necessary. And it, if it turns out that Sins of Sinister is wrong on and you're like, man, this did change, I can always go and pick it up and trade and probably have a better reading experience at that point. Well, and that's where I think the publishers have put themselves into a bit of a bind because for for over a decade or so now, there's always been the, if it's good, I'll pick it up and trade. Yeah. But now, if it's acceptable, I can read it digitally on DC Universe Ultra or the Marvel app got it. That's what I could do. <laughs> that save some money. <laughs> so for the cost of gambling on, what, two issues a month? Yeah. You can go pick up either, you know, service or whatever. And I can't see how that is financially beneficial to those companies whatsoever. Yeah. And the, the other thing with the day and day digital that we had talked about previously, you know, the, when you had told me about mm-hmm. how DC, that when they went to that, it changed the industry. I think the big thing with day and date digital is that you don't have to wait to to be able to get it. It cuts down on the collectability. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, it doesn't cut down on the collectability. It acts as a counter to the collectability. The digital has to survive based on the contents of the story. Yet you look over at DC these days and you look at the variant cover shenanigans they're pulling. Yeah. They clearly don't have faith in the the content. They're doing it off the cover. So. I think Day and Date Digital was a game changer in so much as it made digital comics a thing that gave readers an out who wanted it or needed it to get out of the physical into the digital. Now, not only do we have that, but I think we're at a point where the by the single issue digital, its days are numbered. It may be a high number, but I think the subscription service is the better avenue in terms of cost versus what you can read right now. It's the worst avenue in terms of once you stop subscribing, it's all gone for you. Yeah. But it's it's definitely changing the internal calculus some readers do in terms of what do they buy, what do they not buy. No, very true. I mean, on our Slack channel, I, it was Chris. I think it was Chris Myers who said that because he reads all digital. Mm-hmm. He retired. He got rid of all his comics, gave them to his kids, grandkids. I can't remember. I think it was him or somebody else. They said, well, I just read stuff three months old on DC, six months on Marvel, I can just wait to listen to the podcast <laughs> yeah. until, six, until I just let them build up for six months and I listen to them and I'm listening to the podcast real time as I'm reading the comics. So I don't feel like I missed anything other unless, except that he's on the Slack channel. You know, He doesn't really feel like he's missing stuff because he's listening to this monthly comic spotlight six months from now when he's reading the comics on Marvel Unlimited or DC Infinite. And He's saving a ton of money and has no storage cost, and he doesn't care about the collectability. He's just reading some comics. Yeah. 
and you can do that and you don't have to be spoiled and yeah that that's ultimately what's happening i'm i think if marvel had gone to the three months the single issue digital would pretty much be dead (laughs) i thought they went to the three months during the pandemic because when they had a period where they were releasing comics every other week and trades in the intervening weeks that slowed down their release schedule such that down the line, they pretty much had to close the gap on the digital side or they'd have nothing. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. So yep. I think it's only about three months for, for Marvel and now down to you know 30 days or whatever over at DC if you've got the Ultra, yep. which is really not that much more than the, the plane service. Yeah, 30 days. Why pay full freight when you can get unlimited eating at 30 days? That's insane. I mean, it's what? I think I'm about to have mine renew this week as we record this, possibly even tomorrow as we record this. So what is that? Ninety nine bucks or something? Ninety nine bucks, I think, for the next year. Yeah, ninety nine bucks. It's something where I don't even notice it. <laughs> I mean, you notice it, but you don't really. It doesn't hit your wallet like, oh, you know, I'm uh, I'm dying here. You no, know, it's like any other service. All right, ninety nine bucks for the whole year. What eight dollars twenty five cents a month? That's insane. That's two comics. Two comics. If you're also paying for the bag and the board. Yep. And you're paying full boat, which I don't recommend. Yep. <laughs> and you buy a lot more than two comics. I buy a lot more. Not as much as I used to. Again, this in, in the entire month of February would have been the equivalent of one week of my reading a few years ago. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it's interesting. Times are changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they need to compete more on content to keep readers and such. Because again, we went through, what, a dozen different events and we're like, yeah, not that excited. <laughs> we got the two where I'm like, ah, this one looks good. <laughs> and the others were like, eh, uh, okay. <laughs> I am not going to pretend I am that much more selective of a reader than I used to be compared to the me of a few years ago. I'm buying less, but I don't know that I've got that much higher of a bar yeah. for what I get. So I just think they need to, across the board at these companies, put out better comics and give a better return on the time investment. I'm not even talking return on the finance. But if I read an issue, I need to get a certain amount of enjoyment out of that. Need I need to. to get a certain amount of story out of that. Yeah. I mean, there's too much going into this time, money, to just get something and just be like, eh, I, I, I could have read it, I could have skipped it, and I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. But I'll tell you what, it was cool that we got all those questions. I like them. Oh, absolutely. I think the questions were great questions. Uh, again, you know, engagement drives content, this being a little more literal than I had originally intended with that. But I love the questions, great, great conversation on this. Yeah, keep it up, guys. I'm going to post more reminders for when we record these monthly spotlights or, pe- or when the monthly spotlight for people to send in questions because we record a whole other episode because we get enough questions. It- it's kind of cool. It gets us off onto these tangents that I like. people like to hear about. Yeah, well, and we've got recordings coming up for Multiversity, the second two-thirds of that. We're going to yep. be doing Quantum Age coming up as part of the Black Hammer stuff. We're going to do some early Warlord issues, probably just a handful of those. And then we're probably going to start diving into Astro City before too long. And so if you've got questions on those, you've got questions on what we're reading either every month or just other general questions, uh, put them out there. And then also, I also take questions for the Legion Spotlight. Yeah. And I may even get you reading a Mark Millar vampire book, depending on how it goes. Certainly a possibility. (laughs) Anything else? No, that does it for me. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. 
thanks for listening.